Hello. This is Anime is for Alex. Oh wow, we introduced that well. Should we try again? Maybe. (laughs) Yeah, sure. This is Anime is for Jerks. I'm Cass. And I'm Alex. And this month, Alex, what what did we watch? We watched a place further than the universe, but I forgot the director, so you'll have to fill in that little tidbit. Forgot to look it up. We're such good podcasters. Yeah, we are professional in some ways. Directed by Atsuko Ishizuka. Lovely. So I had seen this before. I had not seen this uh, before. I, w- I was the one who recommended it. It's one of the few TV shows that has made me cry. And so I recommended it to cast knowing that they would probably not cry and make fun of me for it. I will. I, I will. I did not but, cry, and I will make fun of you for crying. But I am brave, and I'm willing to undergo that. <laughs> um, so for, the, for the sake of content, the thing that you didn't understand when you recommended this to me is that I am an emotionless husk of a human being. See, I knew that, but there was also a time when you said I like slice of life animes, I <laughs> and do. I was like, oh, oh, well, this is my favorite slice of life anime. Uh, at least the first half is slice of life. Then it gets into more like coming of age. Uh, so I was like, "Well, maybe Cass will appreciate this." Um. So I didn't hate this show, but I did find portions of it painful to experience. Yeah, uh, you mentioned you mentioned that when we were briefly chatting about episode nine. Yeah, uh, but we should uh, probably we should probably come to things in we'll work order. Our, yeah, we'll work our way up to that. So, uh, this show uh, begins with waterboarding. That's the first what? thing that happens in this show is that uh, oh. gets waterboarded <laughs> by her mom. Oh right, Kimari. Um, so so the, I, when I've talked about this show, I've to like to friends, I I say that the the main character is Shirase. Who we will introduce. Yeah. Uh, but from a structural perspective, as like a slice of life goes, uh, Kimari is the main character because yeah. she's like the perspective character. Yeah. So she is. It's a real. It's a real Great Gatsby situation that we got going on here. <laughs> this is the Great Gatsby of anime. So Kimari is a second year high schooler. Second, you say second tier, like second year. Oh, I thought you were like, oh, she's a B tier high schooler. She's not she's as good a, as Fox. No, but... she, she she's C tier at best. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so she's just kind of a goofball who floats through her life, and, th- and then um, at one point she's she's combing through some old shit and finds a diary where she made plans. Maybe she was in middle school making great plans for high school, and it suddenly hits her that she's wasting her youth. Um, and so she decides to do something about that. And the first couple episodes are her trying to do that with her friend uh, Megumi, who is kind of her foil for the first, um, I guess, arc. So Megumi is Kimari's childhood friend. And they have a kind of a very codependent relationship, uh, except they each kind of think they're the one who is needy and relying on the other one. And so, uh, like, Kimari kind of always needs Megumi to, like, 
basically give her, give her permission to do things because she's so, she's so kind of a, afraid of failure. Um, I'm not sure if that's ever kind of unpacked as to why Kimari in the beginning is so afraid of failing. Um, but uh, she is, and and I think it's just because um, she's like a teenager, and yeah, uh, I think that's a really common thing for people generally to just like yeah. if if you're kind of new at being a person, uh, to not know that it's okay to fail and nobody actually cares. Yeah, um, and so she's afraid of doing anything without Megumi kind of with her, uh, and but Megumi for her part kind of is dependent on Kimari relying on her. She, she needs to, she needs to feel needed. And so the first, first kind of Kimari's opening arc of the, of the show is her trying to be independent and Megumi subtly undermining her. Um, because the idea of Kimari being independent without her is terrifying. Yeah. So, the first um, episode is Kimari saying, I've, w- "I've been wasting my high school. It's time to ditch school, go to go on an adventure to Tokyo." And uh, she's like, "Megumi, do you want to come with me?" And Megumi's like, "No, this is something you need to do by yourself." Um, and at the time, you can see her reasoning. It's like, if you want to, if you want to be do an adventure, you got to kind of, kind of be fearless and go ahead. But she knows that Kimari can't do it without her. And so she knows that um, she's going to chicken out and not ditch and not, not run away because um, she needs, she needs someone with her. And that's kind of framed, or at least Megumi kind of exploits that as a weakness. But um, later on, when she, when the main kind of plot unfolds and Kimari goes to, Antarctica without Megumi. She doesn't go alone. She goes with other friends and it, and you realize, or at least it, uh, that it's, it's fine to rely on other people in order to be able to kind of take these steps towards independence and that independence doesn't just mean, doesn't mean kind of like not needing anyone else. Yeah. So Is that was the kind connection of... that you were, that you were planning on drawing to Evangelion. No, uh, do you see it? Do you see a connection there? I see a, t- a massive connection there because that's also that's, essentially that's, the same I, thing that Evangelion's about. Un- unpack that for us. So, uh, if you did not listen to our six hours of Evangelion podcast, and I can't blame you, um, <laughs> I can. You assholes, ungrateful fuckers. <laughs> um. So, like a fundamental like thing about Evangelion, especially the show. Um, more so than the rebuilds or end of Eva, um, is that like Shinji and Asuka, especially in the back half, are sort of the two protagonists, and they, um, they are foils of each other, uh, especially in the way that Shinji reacts to his abandonment issues by desperately and openly needing approval from other people, and Asuka reacts to her abandonment issues by sort of openly rejecting any sort of kindness uh, from other people and denying the ability of other people to help her at all, even if they wanted to. Um, and what the end of that show argues is that neither of them are right. And that, like, it's not about 
like you can't just you can't expect other people to fill your life up with meaning like you can't expect other people to just like show up and and like make you happy because they love you or whatever um but you also can't expect yourself to be able to go entirely on your own you can't expect to be able to exist in like a void world where you're the only thing that matters you know you because like meaning is something that is generated from within and then put out into the world which is how people you get people to like you you know which is why the very last shot in the show is that congratulations scene because what it, it, it's about is like it's not that like wanting approval from other people is bad or wanting to be liked by people is bad you know it's that you don't get liked by other people by being like sort of a pathetic piece of shit um you get liked by other people by being a nice person and like doing interesting things with them and by yourself and like being being able to exist independently of them but also being nice to them yeah Yeah, one of the kind of yeah kind of the prime one of the primary themes of of ava is the um that we that there's no escaping other people yeah that um and that despite the fact that it's difficult and painful to connect with other people and be vulnerable with them it's an absolute necessity or like a precondition of healthy life um so yeah okay i yeah i I definitely i definitely um see the parallel there um because shira say one of the girls who goes to antarctica with uh kimari she she has tried to basically be alone for the past I'm not sure how many years, and yeah, because she's um, she's obsessed with going to Antarctica because her mom died in Antarctica yeah. some years prior. So um, yeah, let's let's. So we should probably introduce introduce all the characters. Yeah. So Kimari and Megumi are two friends um, who grow up, and then uh, Megumi does not go to Antarctica. Yeah. Um, Kimari meets Shirase, who's whose mother was in an expedition, I think, three years before. The thing about about Shirase is that um, she... The name Shirase, to me, immediately conjures up... the. There's a game mode in Tetris the Grandmaster 3 called Shirase <laughs> that I immediately think of whenever they say her name in this show. I mean, uh, she, she. I'm sure she's good at Tetris. I'm I mean, sure she, 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 would, she would fucking crush at Tetris the Grandmaster. I believe yeah, in her. She like in the later half of the show, we learn she's a mahjong. Oh yeah, she's like, a mahjong G- professional. <laughs> um, I, I I desperately tried. I wanted during that scene because they they have like uh, this like inside baseball mahjong joke. And I was desperately doing mahjong research to try to figure out and see if I could explain <laughs> the joke on this podcast. And I can't. I do, I couldn't. I cannot oh, yeah. understand I, mahjong. I didn't. I didn't even bother to try that. I like read um, the Wikipedia article on Japanese mahjong and just I couldn't get it. I couldn't. I had no idea. <laughs> so, Shiras. So yeah, her. So her mother disappeared in an expedition three years prior, and she, and she's, um, basically hasn't fully kind of processed that grief. And so I, yeah. So I think the most compelling parts of this, of this show are about, about grief and about Shirase and, um, Gin, who will, who will get to and their, their grief over, um, Takako, Shirase's mother, uh, dying. But anyway, she spends the three years after her mother disappears, raising working jobs and raising money so she can go to Antarctica and try and get some closure. 
Um, and so she basically ignores everyone else, has no social life, no friends, while she's just doing jobs and going to school. Um, and it, but it turns out that she needs that it, in the end, she needs other people to get her to Antarctica. Um, and so the other two girls who go with her and who help her get there, uh, other than Kimari, are Hinata, this high school dropout. Um, who they meet at a convenience yeah. store. For most, I, I didn't, I couldn't figure out what her name was for the longest time. So in most of my notes, she's just called Bun Girl. <laughs> um, and all of she's the she's the best. All of her t-shirts have pictures of food on them, and it's you know, amazing. Oh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. I know, I know, because she like she has a shirt with a picture of a sandwich on it. She has a shirt with a takoyaki on it. She has a shirt <laughs> with some tempura shrimp on it. Um, she has a shrimp, I think, with an onigiri on it. Um, yeah, it's, she's, she's a fashion genius. So. A style icon. (laughs) And then the fourth one is Yuzu, uh, who is like a, uh, minor teen idol. Yeah, she's an idol whose big hit song is about getting likes on Instagram. (laughs) The followbacks don't stop. Yes. Um, so, other than... So I think Kimari is the only one of the four who has a friend, basically. The Shirase, Hinata, and Yuzu are all basically, like... Completely isolated. Completely isolated. So yeah. Shirase, because she's been obsessing about her mother. Hinata, because she dropped out of high school after the rest of the track team basically bullied her out out of yeah. the track club. And For Yuzu... No reason. Because, well, because... Well, because some okay, so Hinata, uh, we'll she dropped out of high school. Might, might as well get, might right. as well introduce the characters, get it over yeah. with. Uh, so she was like a kind of a track whiz as a freshman, and her friends were like, "You should try out for this this event." And Hinata was like, "Well, it's usually the it should be the seniors. It's their last year. Give them a chance." And they're like, "No, you're better. Like, uh, it'd be insulting to go easy on them or whatever." And so she's like, "Okay," but then once she did and got the spot all the seniors were pissed and her friends didn't defend her. And, um, basically they both, she was bullied and, and, and dropped out. Um, and, and so people she thought her were her friends really weren't. And so she's basically just been out of school working, working and miserable. Yeah. Uh, there's, and there's really, there's really no wonder as to why Hanada's my favorite character in the show. Oh, uh, Yuzu, the fourth one, the idol. Um, I mean, she is alone because she's a, a, like a celebrity, and yeah. the, and and the most of the people she meets, like she tries to make friends, but they usually only want to be friends with her for the social cachet. Yeah, uh, and so and she's always working, so she moves around and doesn't hasn't had a stable like school life, and so. Yeah, that's kind of Kimari's role is kind of the the glue to kind of bring these miserable <laughs> girls together yeah. and and give and give them a friend group for the first time in their lives. And so even though yeah, Kimari's arc is basically her and Megumi learning to live without each other. And that's and that's more or less resolved after the first four episodes. Uh, after that, it's more about the other girls, which is why I never talk about Kimari as being the main character. It's Shirase because yeah. it's her mother dying, who who 
who catalyzes this desire to go to Antarctica. Yeah, yeah. Kimari is very much the Nick Carraway to Shirasa's Gatsby. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then, I mean, I'll, I'll, since we're introducing characters, I'll talk about Todogin, um, who is the the leader of the this new expedition and was there three years ago when um, Takako died and is pretty clearly was in love with Takako and partially blames herself for um, losing her because she was the leader of the expedition three years ago as well and she had to be the one to call off the search when they knew they weren't going to find her. Um, and so... She's my favorite character, partly because it's more, I think, more interesting to have stories about adults, and partly because she's this big, awkward, sad lesbian, which is yeah, I just my I, favorite I, archetype. <laughs> yeah, I she just she's not on screen a ton, and so I didn't really pay much attention to her because I didn't. Think yeah, she was well, important. Yeah, uh, her primary episode is her her main kind of episode is nine, which which you cut. Which you, which we will talk about. Yeah. Um, but you, you got turned off by other aspects of that episode, and so, yeah. uh, which yeah. which I I understand and, and will will address the we'll address. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. So that's so, so those are the characters. So those are um, the characters. So yeah. So the first episode of what happens it, it's because it, like all of the sort of like first half of the show sort of blends together a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, yes. Right, because so, in the first episode, I'm looking at plots right now. the The first, ep- what happens in the first episode is Kimari. So she tries to go on that take that impulsive trip to Tokyo and skip school, but then uh, chickens out of doing it, and then she like that evening sees Shirase like running to catch her train, and she drops that envelope full of a million yen. Oh yeah. Uh, which. Like that that envelope full of a million yen, that sh- fucking Chekhov's envelope full of a million yen. <laughs> uh, uh, so that ter- that's a- about ten thousand dollars. Yes, I I, that that was the thing that I uh, I I noticed because uh, there's a bit later. Yeah, it's nine thousand four hundred and seven dollars and seventy five cents. Which like there's a bit later where she tries to use that money to buy something very expensive, and I was unable to suspend a disbelief that it would be enough. <laughs> what was she, uh, what was she trying to buy? That's when she um she tries to buy the the business class tickets to Australia. Oh um, yeah, and I'm just like, there's no fucking way that a million yen is enough money to buy four business class <laughs> tickets to Australia. You are full of shit. Uh, well, I think it was, I. Th- Oh, it was Singapore to Fremantle, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's not. Man. It's not. So it's not from Japan. So it's not sl- from Japan. So, but still, man, it's four business class tickets. That's a lot of money. Let's see how much is a how much is a one way business class ticket. I mean, not not round trip, not. Not round trip. I guess. Perhaps. Perhaps it is enough. I don't know. I've never flown business class. Yeah. Place. I don't know. It feels like a one way business class ticket would be like a thousand dollars. Yeah, maybe. But then it's either it's either that like that flight feels like it maybe is is would it would be really cheap to get business class tickets on and so it wouldn't take the whole ten th- the whole million yen yeah or it would be like comically ludicrously expensive like thirty thousand dollars and there's no way that million yen would pay for it. <laughs> the million yen is not it's not the million yen it's a it's a it's a symbol. <laughs> 
It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor! Uh, anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves, I think. Um, yeah, so the first four, like, the first couple episodes is, um, like, Kimari trying and failing to be independent and kind of rubber banding back to Megumi and then um, meeting Shirasei and uh, giving her back the million yen. Uh, oh, cause, when, yeah, because yeah, yeah. Cause cause, uh, Kimari finds Shirase crying in the bathroom. Right, um, right, right. Because, uh, yeah, Shirase drops it at the, at the station and then yeah. thinks she's lost all her money and then they, uh, and then they find it and then um, she explains what she's going to do with the money is go to Antarctica and Kimari is like, that's so cool that you are like, she, after, she's still reeling after her failure to even get to, get to Tokyo and she's like, that's yeah. so inspiring that you can all by yourself, like, go to Antarctica. And she's like, and Shirasei is like, do you want to come with me? And that's, yeah, that's when, that's when Kimari begins to realize, like, that you don't need to do everything by yourself, that, that like, Shirasei can help her have yeah. her adventure, uh, with, it, with it still being the adventure that she's been wanting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so then Shirase is basically just like, all right, well, if you want to join me, you're going to have to pay your own way and get a job to be able to buy a ticket at the very least to Fremantle. Yeah. And so uh, gets a job, ta-da, where Hinata works. Uh, but not before she spends like, uh, most of the next episode searching for jobs and she, uh, right. Uh, most of the next episode searching for jobs and she's like, she's sitting in class behind Megumi and is like reading a magazine with like job stuff. And she's, she's like, Megumi, check this out. It's a job where you talk to boys and go on walks with them and stuff. They're hiring high school aged girls. It's in the hospitality industry. If you do really well, you can even make a million yen per month. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah so it's like every slice every like slice of life anime has like a horrible like look how shitty like japan is to high school girls joke yeah um like they make they do it there's a there's a little bit later on um when the four girls get onto the expedition boat oh they're yeah being, they're being introduced and uh can I, I think that the, one of the women, she's like, oh, here are the high school girls, real high school girls, not like guys in dresses. Yeah. Um, and, and then, then it's like, like and also forget they're not old enough for you to fuck them. Yeah. And it's, yeah, because at least it's not as bad as Hanasaku Iroha, the other slice of life that like, I really like. There is like an entire episode about this, like, guest at the hotel turning out to be like a like the the comedic sex predator basically mm. um and it's just why yeah there's also another bit at the very end uh in the, i think the last episode when the the girls are about to leave and it's just like i know many of our a bunch of our our male uh yeah. staff yeah, members yeah, yeah. A, a team members are really sad to see these teenagers leave um <sighs> Um, and it's just like, but, um, yeah, that's why I haven't recommended actually, actually haven't had us watch Hanasaka Iroha yet because like, it's like, it's such a good show and like, except for that fucking character. And it's like, who's just like so appalling. And it's just like being a pedophile is not like a 
quirky character trait. No, it's not. Um, but yeah, so so yeah, so in episode two, so she eventually gets a job at the same convenience store that Hinata works at. Um, and Hinata had like previously overheard Shirase and Kamari talking about going to Antarctica when they had gone to that convenience store. Um, and so Hinata wants to join them on their on their journey. Um, and so they go to Shinjuku. Um, yes, they go to Shinjuku and to try to like go to a meeting. Um, so so yeah, so it, it's a civilian expedition. Um, it's not like a government run thing. So it's yeah. so later we learn it's all underfunded and a, and a disaster. So this and is everything. This is one one aspect, and I I don't know if this is there's some stuff later on in the show which makes me think that it's a bit different in Japan. But part of the reason why some of this show didn't work for me is because it's not actually that hard to go to Antarctica. This show makes uh-huh. it. This show makes it look way harder to go to antarctica than it is you can kind of just go um (laughs) like like and also this show makes antarctica out to be a lot more dangerous than it really is especially in the summer um yeah it's as a person who knows a bit about antarctica the show is a little bit frustrating uh just just because just because they were just like well we've got to get on some like civilian expedition to go out there it's like man you could just like go to Argentina and then get a boat there. Like, you can, you can just go. <laughs> well, I mean, in, in, in this case, Shirase wanted to go to the same place her yeah. mother was, specifically the this this, lo- this location, part as part of the Japanese uh, allotment of, of, of Antarctica. Oh, God. I, I, we can, we're talking about stuff a little out of order, but I do, now that we're talking about it, because there, there's a bit where they talk about, when, when they're arriving in Antarctica... Um, in episode nine, um, at the end of episode nine, they're just like, well, uh, Japan got, after World War II, people weren't really into the idea of Japan having Antarctic bases, so they, we, they were, they were sort of bullied into, into only taking this island, and it's like, okay, let's be, like, a little bit honest and acknowledge the fact that Japan was, like, a fascist imperialist nation that committed hundreds <laughs> of war crimes in China and Korea, and not that you were just, like, bullied into it. Like, come the fuck on. <laughs> yeah, they're like, we lost the war, so we got fucked over. It's like, well, yes. It's like, oh, you lost really? The war. You lost the war? Really? Tell me why you lost the war. <laughs> <laughs> do, do tell. Go into a little more detail there. Uh, oh, dear. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 it's a lot. Yeah, well, I mean, the only time they really talk about the danger is during the blizzards, um, yeah. which is like, which is when Takako disappeared, and yeah. um, I think those still can happen in the summer months. Yeah. I don't know enough about Antarctica to yeah. to really to really interrogate like the the meteorological science, um, yeah. but they, uh, but yeah, it is it is definitely it was confusing to me watching this show about like. You can just get a plane there. You can just fly to <laughs> Antarctica. You know. Well, yeah. Also, there, like, they didn't. They wouldn't note that. Yeah. <laughs> there. Um, but I also schoolers. there's some. But because of that conversation in episode nine, I suspect that perhaps the rules are different in Japan. I, that's, um, that wouldn't surprise me. But but I have no idea. All I know is that people go to Antarctica just like to chill. Yeah. Uh, Pretty frequently. Um, mm-hmm. 
Um, I do know that it's easier to get to the Arctic, though, because there are parts of the Arctic that are just, like, in Canada or in Norway. And you can, ah, just, get a, you can right. just get a budget flight to, like... Well, that's how Megumi does it at the very, yeah. very end. Yes, you can just get a budget um, flight to, uh, to like, uh, Longyearbyen or something. Yeah, so at the very end, um, Kimari returns from her amazing journey, and she and Megumi almost had a falling out when Megumi was like, I've been kind of, like, undermining this whole time because I can't, like, deal with the idea of you being independent. Um, and so Kimari leaves, and Megumi tries to, like, learn how to be by herself. And when Kimari gets back, she's like, Megumi, I'm home! And Megumi's like, tough, I'm in the Arctic. <laughs> uh, um, um, but yeah, so... so bef- at the end of episode oh, two, they, they go to that, that, that meeting in... They, go, they try to, like, sneak into that meeting of the, oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. expedition team in Tokyo... Um, and it completely falls apart, and they have this like weird like cha- foot chase through ch- Shinjuku. <laughs> yeah, um, really and it, it's something that's like I don't know if I like this about this show, um, which is that like like one of the first notes that I took about this show is that oh my god, this is so twee. <laughs> so right yeah creepy. you bet yeah we, we talked about it when you watched the first i think three episodes you were like my god i need to slow this down it's so it's overwhelming yeah, like like I, I had to watch noir at double speed and i have to watch i feel like i felt like i have to watch i had to watch this show at half speed because all everybody especially especially so the many, girls, they talk so fast and they talk so loud and they're so constantly many flipping out teenagers. and screaming and it's it's so much you know, and it's like there's one kind of twee that I can handle. Like I like Bell and Sebastian, okay? Like I can handle twee, but like this is a different angle on twee that like. I mean, you were just talking yesterday about how, how scared you are of teenagers. Oh yeah, so. I'm terrified of teenagers, and this show is why. Um, <laughs> they have so many feelings, <laughs> and I'm I'm sick of it. Oh god. Um. So, uh, at the when at at the uh, the meeting that they try to kind of sneak into, there's this high school girl Yuzu, uh, who they who they discover is yeah. an idol being brought on the expedition as like because the first high school. Their plan is that Shirase offers the money that she'd saved up to sponsor the expedition because she knows the expedition is struggling with money. Yeah, yeah uh, exactly. But then um. Um, the expedition captains are like fucking no. <laughs> yeah, and I'm and I'm guessing ten thousand would not be enough. Yeah. <laughs> so once they realize that there's this high school girl, I fiction as like a like a promote as like a kind of a promotion or like a gimmick or whatever. Um, they're like, oh, maybe we can either like swap with her or go with her. Um, yeah, because she really then, doesn't want to go. Yeah, they meet her, and it turns out she really doesn't want to go because, like she's about to start high school. She's a little younger than the other girls and she wants for once in her goddamn life to have friends and to have a normal school life. And now she's being sent to the <laughs> Antarctica. Um, and so she's, so once she realizes, once she, once she meets Shirasei, she's like, fuck yeah, take my place. Um, but her manager slash mom, uh, absolutely <laughs> will not let her back out of this uh, until she meets the other girls and, has a clever scheme that if uh, the girls can convince Yuzu to go, yeah. then Yuzu's mom will try to rope the other girls in as well. And that's what ends up happening. Um, the, girl, the, the girls meet Yuzu, they get along, Yuzu breaks down at the prospect of having friends, um, 
poor little thing. And then, uh, and then somehow they managed to convince the expedition to bring three more bodies on board. Yes. Um, so yeah, so that, that, that episode is weird to me. Um, because the, the episode where they recruit Yuzuki, because she's one, she's the only reasonable person in this entire show. <laughs> uh, I really, y- Yuzuki and Hinata, I love them so much. Um, yeah, y- Yuzuki is really, Yuzuki is um, And it's, it's weird because essentially what happens in this episode is that Shirase, uh, uh, Kimari, and Hinata just, like, straight up exploit the emotional vulnerability of this, like, younger girl to get her <laughs> to take them to Antarctica. <laughs> like, that's just what happens. Kinda. Um, you know, like, they try to play it off as, like, oh, well, they genuinely like this girl, and they want to be friends, and it's just like, no, 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 you're just, like, the friendship is, like, a byproduct of the fact that you had to be around her for a few minutes. Like, the primary plan was to just exploit this girl and get her to bring you to, bring, get her to bring you to Antarctica with her. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, they do become friends like they do become friends out. the initial the, um, the, the inciting incident is this sort of very like gross just like <laughs> very sitcom plot sort of thing and i kept yeah. waiting for it to like blow up in their faces you know um yeah, or uh, for for yuzuki to like catch on to or or acknowledge the fact that they were pretty much just using her um, and they have, like, a moment where, y- later on, where Yuzuki is, like, nervous about, like, whether or not they're actually friends. But it doesn't, yeah. like, come around, like, it doesn't, like, it's not, like, because they were clearly just using her for her connections. It's not, it, like, which is true. Um, <laughs> and it, it, even if they did become friends later, like... Right. It's because she has trust issues because everybody she knows is just using her for her, her connections, including the people who are her, uh, her ostensibly her current friends. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's 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 true. I didn't. You know. yeah, I didn't think about that. Um. So yeah. So I I I kept waiting for there to be like a reckoning with that, but it never. It's just like the power mm-hmm. of friendship. <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> I mean, it does, like, it It kind of plays into kind of like the, the like, Hinata's episode, or Yuzu's episode, I think is 10 or something, when she's, or 8, when she's freaking out about are we friends or not. Um, and they're like, and she's trying to, like, figure out some way to, like, ensure that they remain friends after the expedition. And they're like, that's not how friendship works. Like you kind of just become friends and either stay friends or not. And it's, it's, you can't, it's not as black and white, even if it, even if it's more comforting like that. Um, and that's kind of how they became friends. Like they weren't, it was, it was kind of an accident and kind of a weird situation. Cause the thing Um, that reassures Yuzu that they are not trying to, to exploit her initially is when, she says, like, you guys are all best friends already. And they're just like, no, we've known each other for like a month. Right. I mean, and, and that's, yeah, they, they all came together kind of with ulterior motives too. Yeah. To get to Antarctica. So, so yeah, it, I, 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 it's, it's, it like, it it's kind of. It's definitely a little bit skeezier, I think, with Yuzu than it is with, with the other three. It did. It, it is. It is. Because, yeah, because she's younger, because they are, they're already, it's like they're, 
it's already the three of them kind of conspiring. Yeah, because and also um, because she's literally the only one who has any method to get to Antarctica. Like, if it were literally, yeah. she's the only reason they get to Antarctica. Yeah. Like, I think yeah, the yeah, show yeah. wants us to think that, like, they all played a role, but it's like, fucking no. It's, <laughs> it's entirely Yuzu's doing that they got to Antarctica. She's the only reason they never yeah. would have gotten there otherwise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but speaking of Yuzu... This was the first one, This I think this episode was the first episode where I noticed that the title cards for every episode were Instagram posts. Right. Um, and the the Instagram handles that all of the girls have are extremely authentic, and I checked on actual Instagram to see if accounts with those names existed, and they do. <gasps> um, but not all of them. They, they've not been utilized to the degree that I would expect, because what I wanted was to be able to go on those Instagram accounts and find the posts from the title ah, cards, but they're not yeah. there. Um, with so That's a real missed opportunity. Seriously. Um, but yeah, on shame. on episode three's title card, uh, Yuzu has made a post of her. I'm looking at it right now of her stepping on a cat's tail in front of an old oh, lady. Oh, the baby! Uh, and then the only hashtag on it is "I follow everyone who follows me." <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh dear! And it has two likes. <laughs> oh poor, no! Poor Yuzu. <laughs> Follow backs haven't started. Yeah. So let's see. So we got the now we've got the gang together, and they've they've kind of um, got their place on the ship. And um, episode five is when. Um, well, episode four is, is the one where. Um, Mari fakes her mom's signature on a permission slip and then has to confront her mom with the fact that she's planning on going to Antarctica. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. And that scene was so just viscerally embarrassing to watch. I had to watch it on mute. <laughs> I, I could not fucking handle it. And she's like, she like, because her mom is like so angry. And then like, Kamari's dad gets home and like opens the door and sees what's happening and then just shuts the door and leaves. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the most like tediously formulaic little like gag uh, but it is it is like 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 the thing is is that like i i was i kept waiting for that to happen and then it happened and then it just didn't amount to anything you know <laughs> like it just happens and she's like well you've got to pass all your tests and then it just never comes up again and presumably she right just and then she did pass her tests yeah, and... she just passes all of her tests even though she's like an idiot <laughs> but she's she's finally motivated to do something um. Yeah, I guess I I guess I blocked out episode four if if because I forget if anything really important happens. Yeah, because that's that's sort of the one where they they first sort of get on they they go to the summer training camp. Oh camp. yeah. Um, and they do yeah. like the route mapping stuff. Like nothing like super important happens, but it is where they first meet meet again. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And and. Um, Can I? But not a ton. A ton happens in that episode. Right. Um. That's like plot important. Um. So Kanai is kind of like the other, one of the other adults. Um, and so she's kind of like Gin's like long suffering friend, um, who's kind of just like ro- constantly rolling her eyes at Gin's bullshit. Um, and I hope they end up together after the show, but whatever. Um, five is, five. Wh- is where I have, is where I have notes. Um, cause that's Finally. when. I, I had other notes. Oh, pish posh. Um, that's that's when they all, they all depart, and that's when um, 
Megumi and Kimuri have their big confrontation when Megumi. It's also the one where we learn uh, that uh, 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 Kimari is a gamer. Oh yeah, she has the pony station. Yeah, she has the pony, uh, the pony PlayStation. Uh, my God, maybe, maybe I'll have us watch the Pony Girl anime next. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> I, quit the, I would quit the podcast immediately. <laughs> Um, yeah, here and here, um, the, uh, the morning of when Kimari's going to leave, Megumi turns up like, uh, at her door and basically lets it all out how she's been undermining Kimari and how she felt like she needed Kimari relying on her and how she didn't have any self-worth by herself. Um, and it may it made me like kind of put think think more explicitly about something that's kind of obvious about about kind of slice of life or like all ages shows, but which I never had really kind of focused on, which is how kind of the character conflicts are made much more explicit than in other like f- formats, and so like in a in a more in like a more I don't want to say like adult but one that's aimed aimed not at like young people this sort this sort of conflict would be a much less kind of spelled out like megumi's um wouldn't kind of have this incredible self-awareness when she kind of like clearly lays out all her own brain problems um and right in front of kimari there would be much it would be much kind of more subtext and um, and so and so and so so on for the other character arcs like Shirase and Hinata end up kind of having a uh, important dynamic, but uh, and a lot of it involves them talking out their own problems to each other, um, and it's 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 more efficient in some ways. Like this is how slice of life can have like a like a arc like each episode kind of develops the character because they can kind of set it up and then it's kind of lay it out explicitly instead of kind of having to draw it out more, um, more subtly. Yeah, I guess. And it's, it's, it's because it's, because it's all ages. It's, it's, I, I mean, it's, Partly because all ages, it's it's the re- the viewers might need a bit, the younger ones might need a bit more handholding. But also, there's a like a pedagogical element, which like it's it's more than kind of media aimed at adults who are expected optimistically to be like functioning human beings. <laughs> um, a lot of slice of life is is there. There's a, a message there about how to kind of like how to resolve conflicts, how to be a person. Um, yeah, and so that's actually a similar reason why I like I don't like a lot of like Western comics, at least Western like queer comics, are aimed at like the young adult market. So they often are stuck at that level of like, um, here's how to like love yourself and be a person. Um, whereas the the stuff I like is more just like messy adults fucking up. Um, this and here, here is actually where the the, the um, connection I was going to draw to Ava, 
that I mentioned yeah. to you earlier was that when we were watching Ava, the, the series in our first podcast, um, we have two podcasts on Ava, one about the series, one about End of Ava and the Rebuilds. What, listen to them both. Yes. Um, uh, I was complaining about how the, in the the show, the original series, like the first two thirds is mostly kind of like stock mech slice of life anime, um, and it as it slowly kind of it slowly kind of bleeds into the more um, not philosophical, more interesting, introspective um, like anime about brain problems. And I was complaining about how I don't really care about the robots and how we could have just started midway through. And you were like, well, the robots are to rope in the, the audience that he's trying to talk to. Um, the, the, the shitty young men who are Shinji, who, who need to read, yeah. who need, who need to, who need to see that later part. And I think I mentioned briefly about, um, how that kind of, that, pedagogical kind of approach there's at the time i was saying the kind of a trade-off between like the purity of the art and the pedagogical utility of it and how like i think the show is weaker for having this robot thing but if the point of the of the thing is to try and like make people better then you need that that aspect to kind of bring in the people who you're trying to talk to and so um yeah, because like what's like the, if the show is just the second half, then it's like well nobody would watch it in the same way that like it, like if the show is just the second half, then it would just be Serial Experiments Lane, you know, and then like <laughs> right. nobody but nerds like us would watch it, and then it's like so, well there's no point to this except for making people who already know all of the stuff the show is trying to say feel smart for understanding it. <laughs> and it's like man, uh, I know that some people think that's the point of art, uh, but. <laughs> Well, I, I, was, I, have, I wasn't. Gonna, I had perhaps slightly higher ambitions. <laughs> I wasn't gonna go. I wasn't gonna go that far. But like, uh, like there, there is a. Uh, I don't think art art has to have kind of this. I don't. I don't think art has to make the world a better place. No, uh, no, no. I don't. You know I don't think that at all. But and um, but like that was something I I was I was thinking about like. Uh, this, this show as well, and in a, a lot of slice of life, they do the the way they're structured is partly to have this this pedagogical um, function. Yeah. To them. Uh, so yes. So moving on, uh, we were talking about episode five, which yeah, episode five is the one where where we really get the the, the stuff with um, Mari and. Right. Yeah, so uh, Megumi is like, I've got Megumi. like, like I'm not good for you, and I need, and you, and being around you makes me kind of too. We're co- we're too codependent on each other. Like we need to basically stop being friends. And yeah, and Kimura reveals that like, she had been spreading rumors about Mari. Yeah, and trying to kind of undermine the trip. Uh, and Kimura is like, sorry, breakup rejected. Yeah, uh, and then kind of like gives her a distance but keeps texting her like updates about the trip and like lets the kind of friendship kind of re rebuild itself um in a new way yes um all right so episode five or episode six uh they go to singapore and they make a bunch of durian jokes 
have you ever have you ever encountered a Darien, Alex? I have not. I have not. I have because you sometimes if you're walking around in like Chinatown in New York, there will be just like guys on the side of the street selling durians. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've never have tried. Ha- I've not okay, had a durian, but I have encountered durians, uh, and they don't yeah. they don't smell that bad. Like it's yeah, it's, so, a, it's, well, it's a meme. That, so if you don't know what a durian is, it's this like big green spice. It's huge green spike spiky fruit that smells and tastes insane. Um, <laughs> it's not like they don't smell bad or like they don't smell um, like they don't smell like like. It's not like Sir Strumming or something like that, where it just like smells like death or something like that. They just smell like nothing else on Earth. Um, they just <laughs> smell completely insane. Um, uh, and they're very popular in sort of Southeast Asia, which is where they are. In the they go to Singapore for a two-day layover. Um, and Hinata loses her passport. Yes. And Singapore is one of those places where durians are banned on public transit. Um, because they smell so fucking wild. Um, so you can't take a durian on the bus, which, you know what, that's fair. <laughs> my service durian. <laughs> <laughs> this is my service durian. Uh, yeah, so this is basically a Shirase slash Inata episode where um, they kind of develop their, their wacky dynamic. Um, yes. Because Hinata loses her passport and she's like, well, you guys go on without me. I'll go to the embassy after the weekend and and, and try to catch up. I wish I had organized and, my screenshots by by episode, but I did. I found this episode because uh, um, oh, the, no. the first thing that happens in in this episode is they're like looking at this big statue of a lion, um, which is so. This is a weird thing about Singapore is that the the name Singapore means city of lions, uh, <gasps> which is insane because lions don't live in Singapore and never have. Um, there are no lions in Singapore. And, like, the origin behind that name is that, like, when they were founding the city, some guy saw something that he thought was a lion, which would, but was probably a tiger. That's beautiful. And it was just like, it's the city of lions! I love that story. It's great, yeah. Um, 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 but, yeah, so they're, like, looking up at this big, like, lion-shaped fountain, and it's like, it's not as disappointing as I expected. And Kamari says, yeah, I heard it was more disappointing! <laughs> <laughs> and Yuzu's like, were you hoping for disappointment? <laughs> yeah, it's like, um, there's a lot, yeah, a lot of, even like the kind of like the tropey gags are just kind of like, well done. Yeah. In this show. Yeah, the show is, is funny. Um, like, the jokes I appreciated. Um, anyway, like, yeah, so Hinata can't find her passport, so she's like, go ahead and, um, I'll catch up. Don't let me, don't let me scuttle this whole this whole thing and shira says like no you're coming with us this is our thing and um and so hinata thinks thinks that she's just kind of being um what's the word helpful Um, no not like she thinks she's just kind of taking pity on hinata or kind of being or or sacrificing her own her own desires for Hinata. Yeah, because she can't really um, believe that another person would actually like want her around. Right. So she yeah. assumes that they're just they're just being nice, and like that they they all really do want to leave her behind because she's that's what she's used to in high school. And so this episode is basically Shirase 
realizing that she, her objective is no longer just to get to Antarctica, it's to get to Antarctica with with all three of her friends. Yeah. Uh, and so she has to realize that first and then communicate it to Hinata. Um, and so that's basically what... Um, with this episode about it. so they like I, I like Shirase and Hanata's relationship and it like they get basically get two episodes about yes. their relationship at 11 as well yeah um, um yeah so like and there's there's a bit in this episode after like Shirase says that she's lost her passport and they dump out like her entire bag and like all of her luggage onto the onto the onto her bed and she's standing there she's just like it's it well I'm and she's like well I'm sure it'll turn up it's so important after all <laughs> Um, and then when, when they find out that the embassy isn't open on Sundays and they're going to have to wait until Monday to go and get, uh, Hinata a new passport, uh, Kibari's like, what the heck? We convenience store clerks work 24 hours a day, 365 days a year without rest. And then Hinata says, the government is stupid. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh uh, God, so good. Uh, uh, um, I'm totally out here for Anne Prim Hinata. Hell yeah. Uh, wait, what's Anne Prim? An- Anarcho-primitivist. <laughs> are, you sh- are you sure that's what she is? I know. No, she's not an Anne Prim. Uh, um. But yeah, so that's when that's when um, Shirase spends all her money to change their tickets to first class because there, there are no economy class tickets uh, on the on the next flight. So they are trying to delay their entire flight two days so that Hinata can get her passport and everything. Uh, but they can't just bump it back. They have to, uh, the only open seats on the, on the flight are business class. So, uh, Shirase uses her, her long, her Chekhov's 1 million yen, um, to do that. And it's this great big meaningful moment that Hinata finally realizes that Shirase cares about her. Uh, and then Shirase finds out that she has she has the passport in her purse, and, and then as punishment is for ice cream. Uh, Kimari and Yuzu make make the other two uh, eat durian. Um, Hinata's for giving it to Shirase in the first place. Shirase for putting it in her purse and forgetting about it. Yeah, um, uh, but yeah, there's you were talking about. Um, uh, Hinata, like her specific sort of brain worms in this episode. Um, and I took some screenshots of what she says about it when she, she, her and Sarashe are like sitting in their hotel room together. And she says, Sarashe, I know you were trying to be considerate. I just really hate that kind of thing. I know that's how relationships work, but when people try to be considerate of me, it's disconcerting, I guess. Like, I can't tell how they really feel anymore. That's why I couldn't handle high school and wanted to be alone as much as possible. At the end of the day, when I'm with someone else, things usually end up like this. Um, yeah. And during that, I didn't know, I didn't realize this at the time, but during that, it's cross cut with shots of her with the track team, mm. um, which doesn't mean anything at the time because we don't know that story yet. Uh, but right. looking back at it is foreshadowing. No, and yeah, and so and so, yeah. Shira says, kind of um, revelation is that. I mean, at, at first, I think she she thinks she's being considerate too. Yeah. But then once, once her, her own brain worms kind of fall into place, um, she's like, Oh no, I would, I would actually regret leaving Hinata behind. Um, so yeah. So, and then when, when Shirase goes to, to buy the business class tickets, 
Kamari asks, asks her, wait, why are you being so stubborn? And Shirase says, that's how I've always lived my life. What's wrong with being stubborn? I'm stubborn, people make fun of me, and I've had awful experiences. But I remain stubborn because I'm right. And if you don't want me to be considerate, I'll say it outright. I don't want to be the kind of idiot who doesn't worry about something just because you say don't worry about it. I don't want to be the kind of sh- I don't want the kind of shallow relationship where I go without you because you say just go without me. I don't want to be the kind of coward who gives up without trying, even though we said we'd all go together. We're going, the four of us, all four of us, that's my priority. Uh, yeah, you're talking about being stubborn. Reminds <laughs> me of that great quote earlier when it's still just Kimari and Shira say uh, at school and I forget what Shirasai says, but then Kimari's like, you're kind of a jerk, aren't you? Yeah. And Shirasai's like, I certainly am. Yes. <laughs> um. Is that a problem? And Kimari's like, no, it's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's lots of good goofs in this in, in the show. Um, so yes, yeah, so, that's, so that's episode six. And then in episode seven, they finally get to Fremantle in uh. Australia. We get the transphobia joke. The transphobia joke? That's the one about high school girls. Not not real high school girls. Oh, uh, that they, one. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, that's, that's when they meet the crew and, and get on board and uh, and realize what yeah. a kind of a... We also, this is where we get... Together with, taped together with masking tape this whole expedition. Yeah, and we start to see some of the some of the, the supplies that they're bringing, including <gasps> a box labeled <gasps> Powerful Water. <laughs> you you catch up you catch all the little the little things i'm like, a con- like, i am constantly looking for like tiny background details but far more than i'm ever paying attention to the plot <laughs> okay because yeah because because I'd, I'd watched more twice and never noticed the wu-tang apron and, and you caught it right away yeah i mean i'm always on the lookout for the wu-tang clan <laughs> That's just that's just how my brain works <laughs> little wu-tang antenna yeah but yeah, they um, also, uh, this episode also features uh, a translation decision that I got so angry about because they say um, that they're going to a place more distant than the universe. Uh-huh. And, I, and I'm like, they're fucking translated as more distant, the fucking cowards. The motherfuck- they wouldn't say further. Oh. Those it, motherfuckers. They didn't, didn't want to have a title drop. Yeah. But then they had title drop like a dozen times later, so. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah, this is where we meet the other lesbians. Um, um, so, like, I don't know why in this particular moment they chose to go with more distant just to make me yeah. angry. Were you using the Crunchyroll subtitles? I was. Yeah, I was too, and I, I noticed, like, a couple errors near the end. Yes. So it could have it just been carelessness. And I don't know, so I don't yeah. know if this was an error or not, but when Shirase pulls out the million yen um, mm-hmm. in, in the airport... Uh, yeah. Yuzu says the million yen. No, that that they said that a number of times. Um, I, I think, I forget. Maybe it was when Shirase was sobbing when she, when she when Kimari brought it back to her that she, but uh, that was that was that was a running gag. That's a running gag. Okay, yeah. I saw it and I was just like, by a voice, the million yen, <laughs> the million yen. Um. So funny thing. So you mentioned that you didn't pick up on um, Gin being a big fat lesbian. Um, when I first watched it, I found it less kind of obvious than I did the second time. But I, f- but I also read the these other two as more gay than I think is 
warranted by the text. Uh, so the the blonde the blonde the blonde doofus and the bowl cut. Uh, so the the I, I mentioned I was on Mastodon. I said like oh it's she's basically just Eeny Miney from Ace Attorney. Because um, she's the one who who talks like this. The 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 one who sounds like she's constantly drunk. I have no idea who you're talking about. I honestly I I struggled so much to remember who all of the main characters were that I had no brain space left for any side characters. <laughs> and that's part of the reason why I didn't catch up on Gin being gay or any of that subtext or anything like that, because I was pay I was just trying so, so hard to give a shit about like anybody in this show. <laughs> I did not have any room. Yeah, I mean I I, I like I get that um Yeah, Gin's episode is is opens Poorly, let's say. Yeah. So you see, uh, yeah, so we, we t- seven and eight episode seven and eight don't have like a ton of like big plot stuff in them because seven is just yeah. like where um, Shirase talks to Gin about uh, about Shirase's mom, and then in episode eight uh, they just all get seasick, and it's just like a big goof episode. Um, yeah. Uh, but episode nine. So the first thing that happens in episode nine, and this is also part of why, because you said that I sh- it should have been obvious because the episode's called Antarctic Antarctica Love Story, um, and I didn't pick up on it because the first thing that happens in this episode is they're all like hanging out on the deck and Shirase is jumping rope really really good, and then some dude shows up and screams, "I'm in love!" in Shirase's <laughs> face. Yeah. Um, and I, I immediately stopped watching the episode and didn't come back until like three days later. Um, you just immediately fell asleep. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. You ever see an anime opening so bad you just immediately fall asleep? Uh, um, so, so it turns out that he's in love with the captain Toto Gin, not the, with a high school girl. Which um, God, I was so happy when that when that. But like, it's yeah. still, it's still bad. But it's, I it's, mean, that's like it's 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 that same sort of thing. Like like. Making constant references to the fact that being, we all want to, we all want to fuck high school girls, being right? Horny for high schoolers. Um, oh God, don't! I read, I, I read an Octavia uh, Butler book uh, last week. Uh, Fledgling, have you? Do you know? I've not. I've not read any Octavia okay. Butler. Much so, to my chagrin. So it's, it's so it's it's a vampire novel, and so the main character is this is this vampire girl. Well, not girl. She's fifty three, but. But, 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 oh. because vampires age so slowly, she looks like a fucking 12-year-old. Oh. Um, but, like, she's has a lot of sex with adults. Oh, no. And I I know... See, I, see the thing is, I find that less gross than the other way around, which is the Twilight thing, where the guy, like, fucks teenagers, even though he's, like, a thousand years old, because he's... Oh, because, absolutely. Because, like, no, it's like, not a matter of, like, whether or not you look like an adult. It's a matter of how many times you've been around the sun. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, like, like the the story is framed, like, she wakes up with amnesia because her her vampire settlement got attacked. And so she got badly injured and can't remember. And so the whole thing is kind of her kind of coming, kind of coming back into her own, relearning who she is and what she is. And so her being a child kind of... Is, yeah. is fits into that, and, and so also, I, I think get it, kind of it but it's still work a little. Uh... It kind of might work better in a book because, like, 
in a visual medium, you, you don't of, con- yeah, 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 you're constantly being less... reminded and also constantly sort of inherently pandering to the kinds of perverts mm-hmm. who might be yeah. watching this thing yeah. who would yeah. be really into the idea of fucking a 12 year old and it being okay. Yeah, so uh, it was a lot less gross than it could have been, but it still was uh, a little iffy. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. That's not the book I'm recommending at the end of this podcast, but right, so yeah, so thank God. There's another time at the very end of the show where we we have another like, oh, does this adult man want to fuck a child? And then it's because this, um, but then it just turns out to be this, um, one of the expedition members wants Yuzu to sign her, sign his copy of her album. Um, and it's like, well, yeah, fucking, uh, dodged a bullet again there. Sorry. Uh, Where were we? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Going back just one second to episode seven. Um, we can talk about, or, or, so, like, the other thing that happens in that episode is there's some, like, secrecy going around about, like, like, what the expedition is for, and, like, them being, like, them, like, the expedition members, captain's hiding something. Um, and that was the Ava connection that I wanted to make, because obviously they were going to Antarctica to initiate the second impact. (gasps) Oh, yeah! Um, that was the the immediate thought, and I was just like, oh man, is this show about to take just, like, the wildest fucking turn and turn into a 70s conspiracy thriller? Holy shit! I would be... <laughs> like, like this show wound up completely fine, and like, like the ending is good anyway, and I'm glad it ended this way. But fucking imagine if the la- if like the second half of this show was just like an elaborate se- an, like anime version of a '70s conspiracy thriller starring teenage girls, where they're oh, trying. That would be fantastic. <laughs> that would be the best. That would be amazing. Uh, but okay. they didn't do it. They didn't do it. They mm-hmm. ca- the cowards. Mm-hmm. Cowards they are. Mm-hmm. Refused to to have to have this be a secret prequel to the Genesis Evangelion. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so that was would Gin be uh, Gendo or uh... Gin would be Gendo, I think. Not or not not Masato. No, not Masato. Uh, no, uh, I think Gin would be Gendo, and the the other lady would be Kenai. Masato. Yeah, Kenai. Well, who'd be yeah. who'd be Ritsuko then? Um, no, I guess she, she might the be Ritsuko. Bulk, the bolt the bowl cut maybe. Bowl cut, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, but I, anyway. I, I was hoping, I was hoping against hope, uh, cause there's then, another thing that happens later on in episode 12 where they see the sun pillar, um, hmm. and I'm just like, it's the second impact! <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, you're right. It's oh, happening! God. Yeah, this, uh, yeah, this is, uh... It's confirmed. Cause, cause yeah, the second impact happened in the, in Antarctica, right? Yeah, that's what happened. Ah. Yeah, it's confirmed. Confirmed. This is a secret prequel to Evangelion. That's amazing. Um, Alright. The other weird thing that happens in episode 8 is uh, Kimari, uh, when they're all getting seasick, Kimari makes reference to her semicircular canal. And I'm like, what fucking high schooler, especially one as dumb as Kimari, knows what a semicircular canal is? <laughs> well, I think the thing is, I think that it turns out she's not actually dumb. I mean, she passed her test. She's just a doofus. She's like. A- like the 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 blonde girl who Hinata? No, the the adult who oh. the, the one who talks like a whiny brat the entire time. I can't I can't do it. It's such a distinctive like the one anime anime whine. Cry, the one who who loses her shit over her boyfriend not texting her? No, 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 no. Um the one at the end when um they're saying goodbye and Kimura's like you, you smell like alcohol. She's like, it's because I've been drinking. Oh, her. Uh, I didn't realize. Her. I thought she was the girl who had been losing her shit. 
Over. No, there's those no, are different um, people. So those yeah, are so different awful people. <laughs> so the 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 girl who's obsessed with Yunkun or is that his Yukun? Is that him? Yukun. You. Um, yeah, she's just the, this idiot straight girl. The the other one, I I think she and the bowl cut are together. Um, I don't know who you mean when you say the bowl cut either. Okay, this this black haired woman with a bowl cut. <laughs> uh, anyway. Where were we going with this? Um, so Hinata was talking about her inner ear canal. Oh, right, because yeah, the the blonde doofus, not the not the one who's constantly crying about her boyfriend, the other one. Yeah, uh, she sounds like a huge idiot, and she talks like Eeny Miny, uh, but she's apparently a scientist, so you never know. Is the point? I mean, have you met scientists? They're all fucking morons. <laughs> Damn, it's true. Um, All right, so episode nine. We're going to talk about episode, episode nine. nine. Um, so, so, yeah, so, yeah, I, so t- I took a really long break between watching episodes eight and nine. And going back to the show with with episode nine, it took so much effort to get back into <laughs> watching this Because this show is just overwhelming to the senses. It is just... Yeah, it is an it, assault. It's, it's, it's not... Yeah, it's, it's unrelenting. Um... So yeah, so so this dipshit boy is in love with Toto Gin, and he's like, "What's her type or whatever?" And then this the entire time they're on the boat, uh, and the entire time they once they're on in Antarctica, um, Yuzu has like her job there is to is to make little videos about the trip because she she's an idol. That's the like the reason she came was to kind of um, both promote herself and this trip. And so they've been making little dispatches. And so they're like, oh, we could do a dispatch about the personal lives of, of crew members. And we could use this as an excuse to, to kind of figure out uh, if Gin's available or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so, and so yeah, like, like, like uh, well, you were complaining about episode nine. And I, and I was trying to explain why I liked it. Because so half the episode is basically people, various people speculating about Gin and her love life, and the other half is Gin remembering Takaka. Ah, uh, and, and it's a real it's a real Kuleshov effect thing going and on. And so yeah, and th- that th- I didn't like, pick up on at all. It's too su- it's too <laughs> subtle for my stupid my stupid well, the, smooth brain. The thing is, everything else in the show hits you over the head with a fucking yeah. shovel. Yeah, uh, we, I was talking we were talking before about how the kind of the slice of life format spells everything out very often and yeah. this is extremely not spelled out i don't know if it's just cowardice but yeah know, it strikes me as cowardice uh like gin is gay because like uh, after you said that i kept expecting them to come back to it at some point and like really establish it in like yeah. the last episode or something like that um just to like not make me think that they're just fucking cowards right. um uh who were too afraid to actually like do something interesting with their show and so they instead just did this like fucking subtle Kubishov effect bullshit mm-hmm. um uh yeah when um yeah they're they're interviewing Gin and they ask like what's your type or something um and she said someone like a cloud um you can't grasp them but when you look up they're always there and and then it and then <laughs> there's a He's so mad about that. He keeps going around asking people. He's like, people, what does it mean? He's like, in the gym, he's like, 
in the gym of the boat and he asks this like rip dude on the treadmill just like what does it mean and the guy's like I know what it means but I can't He's put like, it into words <laughs> <laughs> yeah just like huffing and um, puffing on the treadmill but then yeah it's a memory of her like in high school watching clouds with Takako um, and basically oh, throughout I her life a pick up a, because the other thing was because this episode like everything about this episode was like so obnoxious and I was so not prepared for it um I was like trying not to pay attention and was trying to do other stuff because I just wanted to get the episode over with so I could say that I technically watched it so I just didn't pick up on anything and yeah and throughout throughout Gin's whole life she basically follows um Taco around seeing her just kind of out of reach um because Taco I think I mean it's it's implied that she was married at some point and had had Shira say, and so it was probably straight, and so again, it, her whole life has just been kind of this pining after this other woman. Uh, and yeah, like, it, yeah, and, and the episode itself is called An Antarctic Love Story. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, and so this, this dude, there's a lot of, uh, there's there's a lot of good dunks on the shitty weird dude. Like when they're they all have like have a meeting in the the girl's bedroom about what to do about this, and that girl with the brown hair and one of those shirts that doesn't go over her shoulders um, that I don't know the name yeah. of. Um, well, she, I, yeah, I don't know her name either, but she's she's the one who's always in the kitchen. Um, yeah, and she she's confronts like she's there and she's just, like everyone you tell about how you're in love with the captain gets so exasperated they lose their capacity for words. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. And then and then he's like, I've always loved strong women like her, and she's like, Why? And he's like, I feel like they could protect me. And she's like, You could and she's like, You could just die. And he and he's like, Did you just say something to me? Something truly cruel? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but like yeah, at least they at least they give him no sympathy. And then and then oh yeah, and then at the end, at the end of the show, or not the end of the show, at the end of the episode. Um, uh, again is carrying one of those kind of containers of memorial flowers to the that's to at the, the beginning. Of the boat. That, that's at the beginning of the episode. At the end, I I, I checked, I double checked oh, okay. this exact thing to make sure because I didn't remember it I happening. Think it's, and at the I very think it's the thing that happens, the thing that happens at the end of the episode where the guy goes where the guy like goes to tell tell the captain that he's in love with her and then sees her. She's not doing anything. She's just like solemnly looking off the side of the boat. And then oh, it cuts to him right, right. with the brown haired girl. Um, well, he, he, yeah. So it's, yeah, so like, he, well, he sees her, he sees her crying. Yeah. Um, and then it kind well, of, he sees I her think, from behind. So there's no possible way for him to know that she was crying. You see her shoulders shaking. Uh, she's sobbing. Um, but yeah. And then she, 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 he, he's like, um, cuts, cuts back to like him, like, with with the brown haired girl, and this was the other Evangelion connection that I made because he, as soon as he decides to give up on the captain, he immediately just looks at because this brown haired girl is just like maybe you should go for somebody who's a little more in your league, and and he's just and then he looks at her and he's just like how about you? And it, it <laughs> reminded like... me, it reminded me so much of the scene from End of Eva where Asuka chews out Shinji for saying that he needs her and that he loves her and that he needs her to love him oh by, yeah by basically being basically just being like you don't need me in particular you just you just think that having somebody love you is the solution to your problems and is going to fill like right. the hole in your life but you don't need me in particular anyone will do yeah. you know you just latched out to me because i'm less scary than her <laughs> yeah oh fuck you're right 
Mm-hmm. I'm build. I'm really building up a really solid case for the show being a secret prequel to. End- to I love it. No, I'm I'm completely down with this reading. Um. So yes. So then, and that's where they. This is also episode nine. Is also the episode where they like get close enough to Antarctica hit the to hit the fast ice. Um, and start breaking through <gasps> yeah. it. And there's a shot where, uh, where like, where they hit it, like, you just get, like, a shot of them all on the boat, and the boat shakes, and, like, you get, like, a shot of, like, the boat, like, hitting ice and stuff like that, and it's just like, and then the boat sank, and they all died. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, so here when they, yeah, they, this, with, with the boat, and then especially the, the next couple episodes is when, like, the, the CG gets a bit much. Yes, so uh, I was about to mention that. So, so first... At the beginning of episode ten, they they introduce like a new theme, like the like and some kind of Antarctica theme, and the opening notes of it are literally the exact opening notes of the Jurassic Park theme. Really? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's wonderful. <laughs> they literally uh, do the da 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 da. They do that. <laughs> oh god! And it's and it's like oh come come on! You can't just you, like I know it like says wonder and and joy to everybody on earth, but you can't just rip off the Jurassic Park theme. <laughs> I no, I did not pick up on that. I'm all, all in there. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, and then they they get this shot of the boat breaking ice from above, and it's just like th- straight up a three D model. And they even I like, was they yeah I was gonna say shift my it notes and they gave it depth of field. Fucking huff my shorts. Yeah, exactly. No, no, my notes. Episode ten. This fly by the boat is the first really bad CGI bit. Yeah, it's so uh, bad. It's so awful. It's it like looks, it just looks really fake, and it, or it doesn't look fake. Like, if this were a 3D movie It's just too, film, it's, it, there's too much detail. Yeah, there's way too much detail if this were a 3D film, because it looks like it was shot from a camera, which is yeah, not yeah. what 2D things look like. Like, nobody draws, <laughs> yeah. like, because it's nearly impossible in traditional animation to draw, like, something as being out of focus. Right. Um, because everything's the same, roughly, pretty much the same distance away from the camera, you know? Yeah. So the way that yeah. you... you you communicate that something's in the background you just draw it with less detail um and without outlines but like because we live in the hell future you know now of animation where it's been destroyed by the existence of computers like now all of like the background shots are like blurry and out of focus like it was shot by a camera and like and that that particular shot of the boat from above is just like it's so bad. The the, fr- the frame rate is too high. The detail is way too high. Yeah, it's and just, like there's yeah, there's camera effects. Like there's like there's it, it looks like the boat is like it's like tilt shifted, and it's like there's like a depth of field effect on the mm-hmm. on the camera, and it's like ugh. Yeah, ugh. yeah. I remember I was yeah. Uh, Violet Evergarden is is even worse about this using like fucking lens flare and ugh. like it's. I mean. It, that's that's not that's not even yeah. a good show either. So yeah, and it's it's so it's so bad because you you forget it's it's, it's two dimensional. You don't have a camera there. Like I know you literally like literally traditional animation literally had a camera there taking pictures of the cells, but like you don't have like the same kinds of camera effects that you have yeah. you know, when you're shooting a, a, a live action scene with a real camera. And I'm so not looks... so worried about like the the um, fidelity to the 
to the. It's not about that, but it it it, it mostly it's it's that it's, it's not about fidelity. It's mostly about it being jarring because you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the, you could do those camera effects. I I feel like like um, look at look at Ghost in the Shell. They they do some like base. They 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 do some three D ish kind of like effects, but it's so much better integrated yeah. into yeah. the Yeah, because it, it just feels re- like you just animation. dropped in somebody's, like, blender render of uh, of a boat right. into yeah, the, the problem show isn't, with no context. The problem yeah. isn't CGI, it's just the, the, the completely the laziness about how poorly it's integrated. I don't know about laziness, but the just, yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not integrated into the other animation, so you've got this yeah, it's so it's so it's completely jarring. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, uh, um, yeah, we've if you've ever watched Shirabako, um, the anime about anime, there's a yeah, there's a whole episode about the CG versus two D like Yeah. Debate with like the old guard is like these, these kids are ruining our art. Yeah. Um, I see because I used to be but when I wasn't watching a ton of anime, and when I especially wasn't watching a ton of modern anime, I was just like, ah, it's whatever, you can use computers, it's fine. And then I actually started watching computer animated anime, and I was just like, oh no, this is shit and should be banned by international law. Like, you should, <laughs> if you try to use a computer to make an, uh, to make anime, you should be tried at the Hague. <laughs> oh, God. Um, um, yeah, I think the, the, one, the one bit, like, one show, well, not the one show, the, like... I've talked before about um, uh, Hanabado, the badminton anime. Oh, uh, like what's what's remarkable about that is its its first episode is incredibly good. Then basically every episode after that is shit. <laughs> uh, I mean, mostly because the the original manga is shit, and so like once they actually kind of get into the story, it sucks because it's a, it's a because the, the, the manga story is it sucks, but like especially the opening sequence before the opening credits, like it's a it's a it's a badminton match, and it does use three D, but I think it's actually done extremely well. Um, so maybe I'll maybe we'll do a, a, an anime for jerks on the first episode of Hanabato, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then just pretend nothing happens after that. Yeah. So. Uh... So in episode 10 is the episode where they finally arrive in Antarctica and they start doing stuff at the Antarctic base. We get another shot of their supplies and we find out that they're eating powerful chicken as well. Yes! Um, and then there's there's this like weird shot uh, where the, all the like expedition members are like, they're all standing in front and they're doing like a gear check and then they all point at each other's feet and say, feet good! <laughs> um, and this is uh, this is and episode ten is the episode where where Yuzuki learns the true meaning of Christmas. Yeah, uh, and Linus from Peanuts she, is there. It's, it's, um, so, it's so funny. Like every time she bursts into tears, all her friends just laugh. At her. <laughs> <laughs> like whenever she's overwhelmed by the fact that she has friends who actually care about her, she just like becomes a sobbing mess. <laughs> but the other three girls just start laughing. Yeah, um, yeah I'm gonna. But yeah, it's it's Christmas on the Antarctic base because it's the middle of December, which is summer in Antarctica. 
because Southern Hemisphere, and they, um, you know, and so they're they're making a Christmas dinner, and Yuzuki's like, "Is Christmas really that big of a deal?" And I really kept I really kept expecting Kamari to just like come out and just like read a Bible verse, um, <laughs> you know, and then they all and then that that really that really fun Peanuts theme starts playing, and they all they all dance. <laughs> oh God. But yeah, this episode, because this is the episode where Yuzuki, like, con- basically just like, how do I know that we're going to stay friends after this? this yeah, Antarctic she tries event? to have him sign a contract. Yeah. And then um, and they're, they're Kimura like, really- is like, you don't know, do you? You couldn't know. Yeah. That's not um, how friendship works. Um, yeah, and like, they're, they're like, especially Hinata and, and Shirase are like really mean to Yuzuki for kind of no reason uh, in this episode. <laughs> Um, like, they, they, and, like, I get it in the sense that, like, she's in high school, she should probably know that you don't become friends with people by signing a contract, but also, <laughs> like, the reaction to somebody who has lived a tragic enough life to believe that that is the case should not be that you just, like, have a meeting in the bathroom and get really mad about her and her, yeah. uh, the fact that she cries all the time. Um, <laughs> poor baby! Because they're, like, because they're, like, um... Because it's it's spiked by sparked by uh, Kamari saying saying that we're all best friends here, and then Yuzi is like, "Are we best friends? When did we become friends?" Uh, oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. And yeah. then they're like, uh, I didn't sign anything. Yeah, and then Hinata and Shirase are in like one of their bedrooms uh, together, and they're like, "When did we become friends? Huh? You think she was waiting this whole time for someone to say, let's be friends?'" And then Shirase is just like, well, we could just say it. And then Hinata's like, hell no. Um, cause she, I mean, and then she's like, she's like, I don't have screen notes of this, but she's basically like, because if we say that, then the only thing that she's going to do is she's going to be like, oh, she, you were just saying that because I told her because I wanted you to say it. Yeah. You know, and it, it is, it's, it's sort of mean in a way that uh, feels uncharacteristic of Shirase and Hinata um, and, and is also not, Yuzuki deserves better than that. Just yeah, crazy. Um, um, but yeah, and then she learns the true meaning of friendship, yeah. um, and we get it's kind of like Hinata to kind of. I mean, she, Hinata hates other people being kind of like considerate and eggshell steppy around her. So I, I can see, I can see how she would be offended at having to do the same for someone else. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So so Kimari like they're like eating Christmas dinner, and Kimari goes up. Uh, and gets up to go do something else, and then Shirase and Hinata are, like, sort of forced to confront Yuzu's, like, complete lack of knowledge about what is a friend, and they're like, Yuzu, Kamari already sees you as a friend, and Yuzu's like, but what makes us friends? How do you become friends? And then Shirase says, there's probably no real way to define it. It's not like a parental or spousal relationship. It's more vague than that. No one's to blame if it fades. Um, Yeah, right. And sort of trying to teach Yuzuki, like, that friendship isn't a thing that you like define it's like it's just like you become friends with somebody by being around them and wanting to be around them and and liking being yeah. around them yeah and then and then this is when yeah kimari talks to her about megumi and how like she even though megumi isn't really talking to her right now um because of the whole awkwardness with megumi basically trying to destroy her life uh like she still texts her and still kind and, and still knows kind of um, kind of knows what's going on in Megumi's head, and she's like, for, "For me, friendship is just kind of, yeah, having, having that like knowing more or less kind of what they're feeling at the time, um, and when that happens, I, 
I we're friends. Yeah. Uh, and then we get uh, Shirase dressed as Santa Claus, which is the cutest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, and there's there's a bit where she like walks out into like the the living room in the in the Antarctic base, and like there's a bunch of just like drunk adults all passed out, and she's just like, "Are there good children here too?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, like it's like she got she got press ganged into doing some sort of like Chris like yeah, just like standing there dressed, scene. dressed in this uh, like in this like Santa outfit with a skirt and thigh highs, <laughs> uh, and Hanada's there dressed as a reindeer. <laughs> it's, it's really good, and then and then also Kamari dresses up as Santa Claus and like does this weird Mission Impossible thing where she's like stand and she's like holding herself up on the ceiling with all four limbs over. Uh, or Yuzu, I think, and and she's, yeah. and she's just like, well, it's Christmas, so and then she falls on the floor, <laughs> and then yeah, and then that's when they um they they give Yuzu her birthday cake because her birthday had happened while they're on the ship and all throwing up, yeah, um, and then uh they're like blow, blow out the candle and Yuzu's like, this is the first time anyone's like made me a birthday cake or like. Had had a party for me, and then, and so of course she becomes Sock. a mess and Sock and snots snots all over the cake, uh, and they all they all just laugh at her. Oh, Yuzu! Uh, and then, so in the next episode, we get Hinata. Uh, yeah, we where we find we find Kamari has uh, has put on her mask wrong or wore <laughs> her goggles without wearing her mask and then she oh, yeah. her, her entire face tanned except for the part where her goggles were on <laughs> and everybody keeps laughing and i was like okay y'all it's not that funny but uh it is pretty funny and then yuzu is like you guys shouldn't make fun of-. and then halfway through saying it busted a laughter yes so they're doing like a live like a like a live um broadcast broadcast and like so family family members have come to say hi and so like uh yeah kimari's mom and little sister are are there to see her <laughs> and they just start falling over each other about the, her stupid tan uh, uh yeah and then guess who shows up those bitches those bitches so uh, and Hinata like blocks out the camera and runs out and then um, yeah so g- girls from the track team yeah. um show up and Hinata gets really mad and then storms out of the room um, or walks out of the room calmly and then beats, beats the shit out of a, a like pile of snow and while screaming piss off <laughs> bang bang the drum yeah uh, and uh, she and she throws a bucket around yeah uh, while sh- and Shirase who's worried about her follows her out there and sees that happening but doesn't understand why uh, and then we get we get mahjong jokes pow 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 um, and which we don't understand. Yeah, we don't understand. So Shirase turns out to be a mahjong genius, um, and and uh, Kimari is like there with her, and she doesn't know how to play mahjong, and so she's looking at um, at uh, Shirase's hand, and it's just like, hey, how do you read the one that looks like a person next to a five? <laughs> Um, and then it just like escalates and I imagine that the joke is that she keeps revealing that Shirase has better and better tiles in her hand um, mm. so I imagine that the bird because the last one she says is, is, is oh that's a pretty bird and then Shirase gets so mad she kicks her out um, and I imagine that piece is like important in some way oh um, probably but I, I was looking at like the list of Mahjong pieces and like trying to figure <laughs> it out and I couldn't for the life of me so if you know anything about Mahjong write in 
Um, God, what, what uses Wikipedia if they don't explain these things? Yeah, exactly. What uses Wikipedia if I can't understand Mahjong jokes in this anime I'm watching? Someone go edit the edit the episode summary and explain the joke to us, please. Uh, then we'll have you as a guest on the next episode. Yeah, yeah. If you know anything about Mahjong, we'll do a special, we'll do Animators for Jerks Gaiden, where we learn how to play Mahjong. So eventually, because um, Shirasei is a stubborn asshole, she gets uh, Hinata to... Um, Oh right, she 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 finds she reads, Hinata's emails. And she reads her Hinata's emails. Well, because it was sent to the public yeah. computer, because um, no one has a computer there, so it's just a public a public one that people send messages to. And so, um, Shirase goes and reads the email that the friends sent, and they're like, "We're sorry for leaving you all alone, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Then Hinata's like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, because she you- walks in on on Shirase reading the email. And then, uh, and then they have like, they have like a meeting I was in so Hanada's worried. room. Yeah, they have a they have a meeting in Hanada's room, and uh, and Hanada's like, I don't want to talk about it, and I hate that you asked me, which is a a mood. Yeah. Uh, uh, right, and she tells she tells her whole sad story. Yeah, which we mentioned at the beginning yes. about how about how she was Believe convinced to convinced to put herself forward, and then that and then got, then alienated everyone, and her friends didn't stand up for her, and she. Uh, and so she left the team and then the school. Uh, and so then she's wondering what, like, what should she do about these friends who are reaching out to her now? And, uh, she, I say being the petty bitch that she, that she is, um, gives, gives her the best advice. Basically being like, if it's just to make them feel better, fuck them. And so when they come back on the broadcast, uh, Shirasei steps in and is like, you probably think she's just this poor miserable thing who's waiting for your, waiting for you to reach out to kind of like make her, make her whole again, but she's her own person and she's, she's fine and she's got us now. And like, you don't get to feel better about yourselves for hurting her like you did that did, like live with it it piss off yeah um, yeah because the thing then, that happens before then is uh they're like camping they like go out uh to like somewhere to like set up something for, <gasps> oh like, yeah their uh, romantic moment and they hang they go out to col- to quote-unquote collect water and then Shirase is basically just like if that had happened to me i couldn't be okay with it i couldn't smile and then hanada says you're not me though um yeah. and Shirase says i know but and then uh, Hinata says, Shirase, take off your gloves. And then takes her hand and then, like, puts her hand really close to her face and says, Shirase, you're so annoying the way you keep talking and talking. <laughs> um. And then she's like, yeah, she's just like, I, I just need, basically, I just, I just need you here. I don't need, like, don't worry about trying to, like, talk me through it as just knowing that, like, you're on my side. And then Shirase tries to talk again. She's like, shut the fuck up! <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and then she she gives the whole speech where she says, uh, unlike Hanada, I'm a real jerk, so I'll say it outright. Um, you can't live your lives in this halfway state forever. You hurt someone and made them suffer, and now you get to live with that. That's what you get for hurting someone. That's what you get for hurting my friend. Oh, and then Hinata starts bawling! Yeah, um... Which I think is, it, it's a really good scene in the context of, like, the overall thing, the overall message of the show about, like, being able to, like, 
move past, I guess, like that sort of high school bullshit. Um, or just trauma in general. Yeah, and, yeah. and become like a, a, a real real functional person who does interesting things. Because, yeah. um, I mean, because it's about, again, moving past Takako's death as well. Yeah. And so it's not, it's it's the same for all the characters, not just yeah. the high schoolers. Um, yes. So, um, they also they also have a weird moment uh, where um, they they're like all they're like out by those rocks and they find like fresh water and then they go to drink it uh, and then they're all they all get really excited about how good it tastes and <laughs> it reminded me of this sketch from this Scottish TV show called Limmy's Show uh, where okay. Limmy's at like a grocery store. Yeah. Balls of water, right? Water, fifty-five pence, seventy-nine pence, couple of quid. I mean, it's no much, but all adds up, doesn't it? Right, now come here. You watching this? Keep your eyes on this bit here, right? Water, pure water. Anytime I want it, day or night, free of charge. And it tastes just like every other kind of water out there. It tastes... Fuck all. Cheers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, like, uh, like, the, like they, like, all of the crew, like, comes on and is just like, that's not real water, isn't it? And he's just like, yeah, it is. And it's just like, how did you get this? It's just like, it was here when I moved in. The, they just left it. Uh... <laughs> And then everybody's just, like, losing their shit over the the, the tap water in Libby's apartment. Um, I'll link that sketch in in uh, in the show notes, because it was okay. the only thing I could think of <laughs> during that water scene. It was just Libby going, and it tastes a fuck all. <laughs> but of course, he's saying it in just a completely, just a nigh-unintelligible Scottish accent, which really amplifies. Oh, hell yeah. Um, anyway. That's, that's 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 my two cents at episode eleven, um, <laughs> and then twelve, and then episode twelve, the big one. Um, so in uh, my defense, I didn't cry as much as I did last time. As much? You still cried? Just a little bit. Oh, you little baby! I know. Uh, you are a little baby. So so now they're going out to the 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 site where they're going to build their observatory. Uh, uh, in, in inland um, from the main station, and yeah. it because, also happens so, that yeah, that it also happens that that is where Takako disappeared three years ago. So, yeah. um, the first half of the episode is Shirasei not sure if she wants to go, and at one point Kimari, Kimari is like, "Why wouldn't you?" And she was like, "Look, the past three years have been like a fucking nightmare. Where like it it's." it still doesn't feel real that my mother's dead. And, um, I, yeah. Cause she, cause they, they are, they're talking to her. To Shirase. I have a, I have screenshots of this cause I thought it was important. Um, where they, they're, they're talking to Shirase about going to, to the, the, the observatory, um, while they're like peeling onions. And, um, Shirase says, I'm not particularly depressed or stressed out about it. I actually feel pretty normal, I guess. Maybe 
too normal, I guess. I was convinced that when I arrived in Antarctica, I would start crying. These are the same sights my mother saw. My mother was so moved by these sights. This place is so wonderful, it's no wonder she wanted to come. I thought that's what I'd be thinking. But that wasn't what I ended up thinking at all. The most I could muster was, wow, it's just like in the pictures. Is that why the <laughs> first... Uh, and then Hanada asks, is that why the first thing you said when we got here was in your face? And she's like, it was? <laughs> oh, yeah, because, uh, yeah, way back in high school, when she's talking to Kimari about, about going for the first time, uh, all the other high schoolers are laughing at her, calling her Antarctica for her stupid idea. And she's like, well, she's like, Kimari, don't worry about it. Wait till we get there. Then we can say in your face. We did it. And then, yeah. And then as and soon then, as she steps off the boat onto Antarctica, she just screams in your face like 20 times. <laughs> um, uh, and then and then Kimari says, but you came here because your mother was waiting, didn't you? You wanted to come here because your mother was here, right? You said that your mother was waiting for you here. And then uh, Hanada says, that's not a nice thing to say to Shirase-san. Um, and then she says, it's like, why did I even come this far then? But once we get there, there's nowhere left to go. It'll all be over. Um, if I go and nothing changes, I think I'm going to spend the rest of my life feeling the way I do now. Right. So she came here because she wanted closure and to finally kind of get moved past her mother's death. And now she's frightened to death that it won't change a thing and she'll, she'll never get over it. And so this, this is kind of her last chance of, of having some sort of closure. And she started to wonder if it'll, if it'll make any difference at all. Yeah. But she does uh, go. Yes, yeah, she does go. Um, and, and before she goes, when she decides that she wants to go, uh, she sits on, like, the steps with with um, Gin, uh, Shirase does, and uh, Gin says, I may not want to believe it, but the fact is that Ta- Takako is dead. I can talk about dying wishing for what she would have wanted, but none of us know if that's how she really felt, if that's what she really wanted. Um, and then Shirase says, then why did you come to Antarctica again? And Gin says, because I wanted to come. Because I latched onto the idea that Takako wanted me to. At the end of the, the day, those ideas we latch onto aren't enough to motivate us. But when we run around in the injustices of reality, they're the only things that can break through, make the impossible possible, and allow us to proceed on. Well, that's what I believe. And Shirase says, you're saying I shouldn't leave it to anyone else? Like, meaning her, her decision to whether or not to go. And then Gin says, that's right, but that's how you've always done things, isn't it? Um, which is is really interesting in the context of, like, like shirase's character arc of just like like the first the first time she's really considering like why did i go to antarctica because for so long it's been self-evident that she wanted to go to antarctica it's been like it's just been a fact of life that she wanted to go to antarctica because her mom was there and she didn't and like she didn't ever like this is a thing that i think about all the time um about like doing things because a younger version of yourself would have wanted you to do them Mm -hmm. um which i think a lot of people, like, a, a thing that I see a lot on Twitter, especially from, like, being being a game developer and following game developers, I see people say stuff like, make games that your your childhood self would have wanted to play. And it's like, man, yeah. fuck, fuck them. Like, fuck that <laughs> yeah. guy. Like, I don't have any, like, that person, like, why would I make video games or do anything for the sake of a person who not only is dumber than me, but literally does not exist? <laughs> right. You know? Um... <laughs> And, yeah. and it is, like, really interesting that, like, Shirase, like, the way that she's grown as a result of the way that she got to Antarctica means that once she finally gets there, she doesn't really need to be there anymore, you know? Because she's already right. found the thing that she was looking for, which was, right, like, right. friends and, and, and closure yeah, and, like, a, a, a satisfying life. Yeah. You know? So, like, it, it sort of... 
And that, so like that exchange felt really important to me because that, because it, it's also like it reveals that it's the exact same arc that Gin was going through. Because up to this point, we've been under the impression that Gin wanted to go to Australia for, because she wanted to go to Australia or Australia, Antarctica. <laughs> um, uh, and she, but, um, well, we we learned earlier on that it was Takako who kind of roped her into this yeah. in the first place. Um, um, but like, like it, she it, had it this... really is, is spelled out explicitly here in, in yeah. this scene of just like, she doesn't really want to be there either. She's going for basically the same reason that Shirase is. Um, right. Uh, and yeah. And then we get the second impact. And then, well, yeah. So, th- so they're heading into the, Oh, is that, is a second impact before they head in? No, they go, they go, they head inland on the snow cats okay. and then they're like out there inland. Cause you can only get, I think you can only get this, 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 the sun pillars pretty far inland. Yeah. So, yeah, so the, the snowcat, like, they hadn't ridden in before, and, like, for Gin, at least, like, it's a huge piece of trauma, because, like, when um, Takako disappeared, they were in snow the snowcats, and so kind of the, um, a repeating, like, flashback is when Takako has disappeared and Gin is screaming to her on the radio, um, and looking out into the blizzard and then she hears kind of her through the radio and she's talking about how she sees either the aurora or 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 something she's saying how how much more beautiful it is uh when you see it in real life and then um that's the last she hears from her oh that part always fucks me up yeah it definitely feels it's it's the kind of thing where i don't i don't have strong emotional reactions to media anymore and so it's the kind of thing where i get i get like the two levels removed thing where i'm like looking at it and just like that sure seems like something that would fuck somebody up <laughs> um, uh, which is, and uh, it's for the record this is a really bad way to live your life and you shouldn't do it and if you can like actually experience emotional responses to media that you consume you should cherish that because uh, it's bad <laughs> to not be able to it sucks that i can't because that means that it, it's like it's 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 like I've built up a tolerance to the idea of stories, and now I can only I can only experience any emotion at all from the weirdest possible shit. I I mean I I I, I I'm slowly becoming I think more emotional, which is nice. Like I hadn't like cried properly in ages. Um, and then I played Night in the Woods and sobbed for like an hour. <laughs> uh, and it was, it was extremely kind of, a uh, cathartic experience. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so, so, um, yeah, yeah I'm not like, it's, um, it's not clear kind of when it's much, it's much more explicit when Shira say kind of reaches a state of, um, I guess equilibrium where she's where she can begin to move on in her life. Like once she kind of realizes that she has friends that she's already begun to move on. And then when she, she finds her mother's laptop in the, in the observatory storage and that's kind of a, and um, somehow it still works. Uh, Let's not get into it. That laptop would work. Fuck you. Uh, (laughs) And Throughout the show, she's been sending emails to her mom uh, because, I mean, which because like it's part of the whole thing where she can't really believe that she's gone. 
And so then she opens the laptop and all the emails pop up. Everyone, she's probably sent like one a day for the past three years. Uh, or actually more. At one point, yeah. you see like a thousand messages. Yeah. Um, and so that kind of breaks the dam and, and, um, that's the end of episode 12 when she, yeah. when, when she kind of, um, can properly grieve yeah. for her mother. Uh, and it's not, qu- not, it's not quite as clear cut when, when that moment is for Gin. Yeah. Because yep. it's not, it's not, it, it's not as much her story. What yeah. were you going to say? The other thing that happens in episode 12, and this isn't serious at all, but they're all like sitting on top of the snow cats and hanging out. And it's just then revealed that Kamari has like a makeshift shamisen and knows how to play it. <laughs> and I just like, what the fuck? Why? What? <laughs> See, the only thing I noticed, the, the only thing that struck me there is like this, like the silhouette shot, like the, the three, three of them are like bobbing back and forth. And Shira obviously has no idea how rhythm works. And it's like going up and down. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was the instrument called? Shamisen. Shamisen. Yes, I think it's a shamisen. I, obviously, it doesn't look that much like a shamisen, but it's an anime, and sh- uh, and it is a three-stringed, sort of vaguely <laughs> banjo-like instrument, so I assume it's a shamisen. A shamisen is, is an anime instrument. Well, it's a, ja- it's a Japanese instrument. <laughs> no, I know, I know, uh, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, because like, it, it kind of looks more like a banjo, but it only has three strings, and banjos have five strings. So that's why I think it's a shamisen. Uh, let's see. What else? Is there anything else important in twelve? Uh, Not really. I didn't take a ton of of uh, notes on twelve. I mostly took screenshots of yeah. them all hanging out. And yeah, I mean, it's 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 Shirase's like capstone episode. So like, yeah, um, I think I mean. It it focuses pretty, pretty precisely on her arc, so there aren't really any side stories. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So episode twelve is also the one with the second impact. Um, and uh-huh. yeah, it's uh, it's good. It's it's it's. I liked it. It like by the end of the show, I I do like for as much as I, it said that watching the show is painful for me, and it was. I do think it's good. <laughs> um, <laughs> You can appreciate it. I can appreciate it. I never would have chosen to watch this show if you hadn't made me, and I do. I, I I'm happy that you made me watch this show because I I drag you kicking and screaming into um uh, yeah into a new appreciation for the slice of life yeah um or naked and crying as they say in the episode thirteen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was a very poetic bit uh, in the keep in like the kind of when they're all leaving and reflecting on their journey Kimari's like naked and crying we're forced to come face to face with who we really are <laughs> uh, in a- being namely in Antarctica when like you're cut off from everything and kind of yeah um, ev- everything is kind of raw and immediate yeah so we have episode 13 which is sort of the the resolution episode nothing much happens in it um it just sort of are all preparing to leave and they play they play baseball um and, and Toda really, again re, re, reaffirms her lesbian credentials with a yeah. killer fastball. Yeah, we learn that she is uh, she is an incredible pitcher. She that weird that weird incel Shinji dude. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's like, if, if, if I if, if I get if I get a hit, will you go out with me? And she's like, 
<laughs> fucking sure. And, and then, then she just fucking hits him in the yeah, side. Fucking beanball. Just hit by pitch, eligible to advance to first base. Like, just instantly. Yeah, Ken, Ken I is like, she's an incredible pitcher, and you can't dodge. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then uh, Shirase gets up, because this is also where Shirase cuts her hair. Yeah. Uh, and it's a metaphor. A metaphor for moving on. Yeah. Which I which I thought that oh fuck because I was just, I, I thought that Gin was going to do that because because at one point I don't I think it's twelve. Kenai is cutting Gin's hair. Yes. Um, and she isn't really paying attention. She cuts off a big chunk, and then I I I forgot and I thought, well, Gin is going to get a shorter cut and oh well, she's moving on from her lost love, uh, but she didn't, which implies that. Her journey is not yet complete. She has not fully gotten over Takako, yes. whereas Shirase has, because yes, she, she gets a haircut. Yeah, and she gets her haircut, and they're like, oh, you look so much like your mom. And then like I like did a side-by-side, and she doesn't look that much like her mom. <laughs> it's just the bangs. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so so they play baseball, and then Shirase gets up and and just fucking hits it out of the park. They, the fucking Babe Ruth of Antarctica, they call her. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, and it's like a reflection of how Takako is the only one who could ever hit uh, Gin's pitches. Uh, she also gets Shirase also gets surrounded by penguins and is and is so happy, but they stink. But but she's happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, her like losing her shit at penguins. Yeah, is it never gets old? Penguins are good. Penguins are good. Pengi. Pingu. Pen pen. Pen Pen. Yeah. Lots of anime penguins. So that's, he's the last survivor after the second Yes, impact. that obviously. Oh, fuck. Fuck. Pen, I think pen, pen for, you, this, for those who don't know, is is the penguin that Misato's roommate in yeah, it, Ava. It, it, yeah, it's like perhaps technically Misato's pet, but let's be real, he's her roommate. <laughs> he has his own bedroom uh, and is, is more sentient than most of the other characters. <laughs> oh god this is, um, this is amazing yeah that's pretty much it like there's some other stuff some like very twee bullshit um mm-hmm. where they talk about like how the trip has changed them and like what stuff's gonna happen and they leave and it's, it's, it is very emotionally effective but there's not much to say about it um, right so yeah um I'm trying to see if there's there's anything else um the, uh, the thing that floored me about this show initially was watching the opening um which uh the, the anime opening is unremarkable anime openings is the same uh but then at the end it has the title card which has a place further than the universe in japanese and then underneath it says a story that leads to the antarctica <laughs> and i'm like man i know english is a difficult language I don't understand your language. You don't understand mine. But please just ask somebody. Just show somebody the title card. Show somebody who speaks English the title card for your show. Is, wait, I think that... I've got a feeling that might be, like, technically allowable. Um, Antarctica. Like, the, the Antarctica feels like a... Kind of a, 
uh, kind of an archaic. It feels vaguely but correct archaic. Term. Um, but because the thing that got me was that it, it's a story that leads to an- the Antarctica, and then their their group is called Challenge for Antarctic, and it's like, man, you could have just swapped mm. those around. Yeah, because it's because it's like it's because it's a compound meaning like like opposite to the Arctic, so the Arctic, the Antarctic. Um, yeah. But you wouldn't say the Antarctica. But you also wouldn't say Arctica. True. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I just, I I saw that and I had to stop watching and because I was laughing for like a minute straight at a story that leads to the Antarctica. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, so the kind of the the cute, the cute little hook is that uh, Takako wrote a book called A Place Further Than the Universe. Uh, and that and that's kind of what Shirasei reads during those three years as she's kind of trying to keep her mom alive. Yeah, which it's worth noting. A place further than the universe is a very evocative phrase. Oh, so yeah, I yeah. really like it. Um, so yeah, um, that's that's a place further than the universe. I feel like we've covered most of it. Yeah, and you thought we'd only talk for an hour. I really did. I looked at it like. 20, 30 minutes ago when, or yeah, fuck, an hour ago, and I was like, man, we've, we talked for an hour about this show. I didn't expect that. Um, man, this episode's going to be harder to edit than I expected. I'm sorry. Okay, we got to move on. Uh, All right. Do you have a book to recommend? I do. So this this book isn't isn't the masterpiece by any measure, but it's, it's such a perfect companion piece that I've uh, got to go. So it's The Big Bang Symphony. A novel of Antarctica um, by Lucy Jane Bledsoe, and yeah, I read it earlier this month, and it's about three women who all end up in Antarctica for different reasons. One is lost her partner, I think, three years prior, and still hasn't gotten over it. So, and she she's a composer, and she got a grant to go to Antarctica. Um, and then one's just kind of a uh, an old hand who has been kind of like going to Antarctica for past for, for several years because she has no like sense of home and is just kind of wandering around. And then another is a scientist who has this kind of like unhealthy relationship with her mother and needs to get out. Uh, and it's just the three of them and and um, they're intersecting stories. And it's nice, um, and it's sweet, uh, and there are a few kind of lines in the show that reminded me because uh, there's an observatory there, and the composer, she uh, is kind of going to find her long-lost dad, and he turns out to be a scientist on this observatory. And so in episode eight, there's this thing about, I was looking at an infinite world reminiscent of outer space, and so um, they're both kind of hammering on the same metaphor of Antarctica as being being further than the universe or or kind of having a connection to something beyond Earth. And then a girl... Which is also something that Ava does because it's where uh, a space alien lands uh, who creates monsters that tend to torment humans. (laughs) And then one of them gets lost in a blizzard and nearly dies. She, um, so big time parallels there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what are you? Uh, what was the title of that book again? 
The Big Bang Symphony. The Big Bang Symphony. I feel like I've heard of that before. I might have brought it up. It's entirely possible. Um, well, so I posted about it on Masto. Mine, I, I decided to endorse this uh, because... It, one because it's my favorite book of all time, and also because it's, it's pretty, it's 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 a, a decent companion piece, though not as not as Antarctica related um, to this. Um, but I am going to recommend the uh, the Bell Jar by Sylvia Plath, oh. um, which is uh, my favorite book of all time. Um, I know I said that when I recommended Hardboiled Wonderland that that might be my favorite book, um, but uh, I, think, I think The Bell Jar is, is actually my favorite book. It's, it's close, I, I, haven't, but, I, need, I need to read it. Um, so The Bell Jar is, is very short. I read it on, I read it on a plane to Seattle. Um, and so it is about, it is a sort of semi-autobiographical novel. It's the only novel by Sylvia Plath who's mostly known as a poet. Um, I like it better than any of her poetry. Um, and it's about this woman whose name escapes me. I'm so bad at remembering character. Sylvia Plath. It's about this woman. Well, she is essentially Sylvia Plath. Um, yes, it's about this woman named Esther Greenwood, um, who is in a. She's a fashion student studying in New York City, um, and she begins to realize that she might not want to do this, um, especially when she has some like weird experiences at the beginning of that book, and so she moves back home. She goes back home with her mom. Um, and then sort of her, her mental state sort of slowly starts to degrade um, as um, and, and a sort of central theme in the book um, or a, a sort of thing that the book dwells on a lot is is like making and this is the thing that really connected with me in addition to uh, being a story about slowly going insane which is what I'm doing on this podcast uh, <laughs> um it is is there's there's this great passage in it where uh she talks about she she compares uh being a young person and deciding what to do with your life to being starving at the base of a fig tree um and talks about how like all of the figs sort of represent different possible things that she could do with her life but she knows that as soon as she picks one of the figs all of the others will shrivel up uh and fall to the ground and she won't be able to do them anymore which is I think a thing that's really terrifying to a lot of people, including me, about being, like, in your early 20s is, like, you have a lot of choices available to you and you have a lot of things that you could be doing, but doing any one of them means that you can't do the others. And so you... Um, and so instead, y- you feel your you you feel like the the safest choice is to do nothing. Yeah, and you're thing, paralyzed, right? Yeah, but the thing is, is that like we all we all know that when like when you d- if you decide to go to medical school instead of being uh in, in, instead of being an English major, or if you decide to you know uh, move to uh, Kuwait instead of going to college or whatever, like you're always like making your choices are always like narrowing your options. But the thing is, is that your option is that even if you don't make any choices, your options still narrow and they will continue to narrow until you are dead. <laughs> um, and so, so the bell jar talks about that a lot. And it also talks about like, it, it is sort of the most accurate picture of like what it is like to sort of slowly lose your fucking mind that I have ever read. Um, uh, it's very similar to, and I wish, so, like, this book is well, much less well-known than Catcher in the Rye, which I also mm. love, um, and the bell jar is 
extremely similar to Catcher in the Rye. Um, but it is written by a woman from the perspective of a woman and ultimately goes sort of in a different direction. But it is very similar in that, like, um, Catcher is written from the perspective of Holden Caulfield a year after the events that he's telling you about f- from a mental institution. Um, right. And the bell jar, a significant portion of sort of, like, the back half of the book is spent in a mental institution. Um, and they are both sort of about people... I think Esther is a bit older than Holden, um, but not by much. Um, and they're both people who who are sort of overwhelmed at, like, the world that they live in and react to it in, in sort of slightly different ways. But, like... And the ways in which they're different um, are really interesting to me. So, like, I... One thing that I, I think should be done, and if any English teachers listen to this podcast, um, you should consider, if you're going to make your students read Catcher on the Rye, to have them read The Bell Jar alongside it. Because there's, uh-huh. a, you could do a really, really interesting unit um, just doing some comparative analysis between the two. Because they're both really short. Um, right. They're both only a couple hundred pages. And so you could easily have your class just read both of those books and compare and contrast between the two of them and, and like the ways in which Esther reacts to her situation versus how Holden reacts to his and like the specific like situations that they find themselves in. Um, so yeah, I would, so my endorsement is, is to read the bell jar and also, uh, read the bell jar and yeah, also read the bell jar and catcher in the right at the same time. And, um, you know, just compare and contrast them. Cause I know a lot of people really hate catcher. Um, and I, I feel like if you hated Catcher, you might, you would probably also probably like the Bell Jar. Because even though it's very similar, I feel like the reason a lot of people hate Catcher is because Holden Caulfield is kind of an insufferable little shit. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're, like, if you're a teenager and you're like Holden, that feels immensely relatable. Um, <laughs> like I was. Like, like th- that's why I like that book is because, like, there's a certain kind of, like, shitty teenager who finds Holden immensely relatable. And that's who that book is sort of meant for is because like it's sort of trying to encourage you to go on the sort of same soul searching journey that Holden goes on in that book. Um, but if you're not that kind of person, then Holden just seems like an asshole to you. Uh, and I feel like you would probably find, uh, Esther Greenwood a lot more relatable and interesting of a protagonist because she kind of is. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's the bell jar by Sylvia Plath. Excellent. All right. So Alex, I promised you that because we watched two Ava things in a row, uh, you would get to pick two animes in a row that we, for us to watch. So what are we going to be watching next month? Well, I will take pity on you and do a movie instead of, oh, a, shit. Instead of a TV series. We're going to watch Wolf Children Wolf by Mamoru Hosoda. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, and then he also did Summer Wars and more recently Mirai. So if you... Th- if you like wolf children enough, maybe we can watch Mirai next yeah. and, you know, compare representations of motherhood. Uh, if so, not, maybe you'll just kick me off the podcast and find someone who has better taste. Uh, let's you, let's you watch all your mech animes. Um, so I'm excited to watch wolf children. I've been meaning to watch it for a while, um, but I haven't gotten around to it. The main thing that I know about wolf children is that it is the source for that gif of the anime girl, studying that's used on that lo-fi hip-hop beats to study and relax to stream oh that gif is from this movie uh i'm not sure if i know which gif we're talking about it's, you'll have to post it in the, the in the notes i'll post it in the notes i guess but it's you, you know the fucking I, I i find it hard to believe there's anybody on earth who isn't aware of i'm that sure GIF. i've seen it i just i just don't 
study or relax very often, so. <laughs> Let me see if I can find, if I can send it to you. Anyway, we can do that after after we sign off. Um, thank you for uh, bearing with me through this Hi. show. I'm, and um, I hope, like with Ghost in the Shell, I gave you slightly more appreciation you of did. it. You did. You did. Lovely. Uh, I'm Alex. You can find me at Dun uh, Dun Dun on Twitter. That's D-U-N-N. Uh, Catalina at selfie.army if you're on Mastodon. It's selfie with a Y. What about you, Cass? Uh, you can find my Twitter at prophet underscore goddess. You can find me on Mastodon at prophet underscore goddess at skeleton.cool. Uh, you can play video games I've made at prophet goddess at itch.io. You can read stuff I read at blood.church. You can watch my stream at twitch.tv slash prophet underscore goddess. You finally got that coveted underscore. I got that coveted underscore. Um, and then, yeah, you can follow the show at Animated for Jerks on Twitter, at Animated for Jerks at Skeleton.cool on Mastodon. You can email us at Animated for Jerks at gmail.com. Nobody ever has, but the option's open, especially if you know about Mahjong. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, that's about it. Uh, thank you for watching. See you next month.